Part five, chapter twelve of the Manxman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Manxman by Sir Hall Cain. Part five, chapter twelve. Pete seemed to be beside himself. He laughed until he cried. He cried until he laughed. His resonant voice rang out everywhere. Hear him? My gough, it was like a bugle spaking. There's nobody can spake but himself. When the others are toot tooting, it's just Polly put the kettle on, mimicking a mincing treble. See the little puffin on his throne of turf there? Looked as if old Nick had been thrashing peas on his face for a week. Pete's enthusiasm rose to frenzy, and he began to sweep through the fair, bemoaning his country and pouring mouthfuls of anathema on his countrymen. Man in Veg Village, sweet little Isle of Man, with your English governors and your English bishops, and boys of your own worth ten of them. Manini Greihach, beloved Manxman, you're driving them away to be bishops for others and governors abroad, and yourselves going to the dogs and the devil, and damn you. Pete's prophetic mood dropped to a jovial one. He bought the remaining stock in trade of an itinerant toffee seller, and hammered the lid of the tin hat-box to beat up the children. They followed him like hares hopping in the snow, and he distributed his bounty in inverse relation to size, a short stick to a big lad, a long stick to a little one, and two sticks to a girl. The results were an infantile war. Here a damsel of ten squaring her lists to fight a hulking fellow of twelve for her sister of six, and there a mother wiping the eyes of her boy of five and whispering, Hush, boch, hush! You shall have the bladder when we kill the pig. Pete began to drink. How do, fatty? Taking joy of you, Ewan? Are you in life, Tom? Half a glass of rum will do no harm, boys. Not the drink at all. Just the good company, you know. He hailed the women also, but they were less willing to be treated. I'd have more respect for my quarterly ticket, sir, said Betsy. She was a primitive, with her husband on the plan-bag. "'There's a hole in your pocket, Captain. Stop it up with your fist, man,' said Lisa. She was a gombeen woman, and when she got a penny in her hand it was a prisoner for life. "'Chut, woman,' said Pete. "'What's the good book saying?' "'Riches have wings. Let the birds fly them.' And off he went, reeling and tottering, and laughing his formidable laugh. Pete grew merry. Rooting up the remains of the fisherman's band, he hired them to accompany him through the fair. They were three little musicians, now exceedingly drunk, and their duty was to play Hail Isle of Man, as he went swaggering along in front of them. Hail Isle of Man, sweet ocean land, I love thy sea-girt border. Play up, Jackie. The barley sown, potatoes down, we'll get our boats in order. Thus he forged through the fair, capering, laughing, shouting protests over his shoulder when the tipsy music failed, pretending to be very drunk trying to show that he was carrying on, that he was going it, that he hadn't a second thought, but watching everything for all that, studying every face, and listening to the talk of everybody. Whips of money at him, Lisa, whips of it, millions, they're saying. He's spending it like flitters, then. The Manx chaps isn't fit for fortunes. No, they aren't. I wonder in the world what sort of wife there's at him. I don't allow my husband the purse. Three halfpence is enough to be giving any man at once. Wife, you're saying? Don't you know, woman? Then some whispering. 
Base, boy, more base, I tell thee. We then sought next the soothing sex, our sweethearts at Port Erin. Who is the man at all? Why, Captain Quilliam from Kimberley. Deed, man, him that married with some of the Caesar Glenmore's ones. She's left him, though, and gone off with a wastrel. You don't say. Well, I saw the young woman myself. At Quiggins Hall there's enough for all, good beer and all things prosper. All, boys. Peter drawn up suddenly, and stopped his musicians with a sweep of the arm. Were you spakin', Mr. Corteen? Nothing, Captain. No need to stare at all. I was only saying I was at the camp meeting at Sulby, and I saw... Go on, Jackie. A pleasant place with beds of A's when we are done our supper. The unhappy man was deceiving himself at least as much as anybody else. After looking for the light of intelligence in every face, waiting for a word, watching for a glance, expecting every moment that someone from south or north, or east or west, would say, I've seen her. Yet covering up the burning coal of his anxiety with the ashes of mock merriment, he tried to persuade himself that Kate was not on the island if nobody at Tinwald had seen her, that he had told the truth unwittingly, and that he was as happy as the day was long. End of Part 5, Chapter 12